when our values get lived out, it, it becomes undeniable the good that they can do. Another mass shooting plays out, this time in a shopping mall this past weekend, but this one has a different ending, and that's what we'd like to talk about on this episode of Right Angle with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green. I'm Scott Ott. This is made possible by the members at BillWhittle.com who fund this enterprise. If you'd like to be helpful to this, you can, of course, join the funders by clicking the big green button at BillWhittle.com that says Become a Member. Or if you'd like to start at kind of an entry level, hit the thumbs up button or notification and just let us know you appreciate this and that you want to get reminders when the shows are about to come out. Gentlemen, um, a Greenwood Park Mall rang out with gunfire uh, Sunday afternoon and uh, three people were slain, two were injured. But that's where things get different because the shooter carrying a semi-automatic rifle and also had a handgun on his person had more than 100 rounds of ammunition and seemed like he planned to do much more damage until he was intercepted by a young 22-year-old Elisha Dickon, who was out at the mall with his girlfriend and took action with his own handgun and brought the shooter down, killed him. Uh, Stephen Green, this kind of story doesn't get enough attention uh, in the media because we would rather think, uh, at least publicly, the, the media likes to promote the notion that all guns are dangerous. And clearly, this handgun in the hand of Elisha Dickin was dangerous. It was dangerous to a mass murderer, was it not? It was, but, you know, it's people that are dangerous. Hmm. Just like to say that right off the bat. Uh, thank goodness the good guy was just as dangerous as the bad guy in this case. Uh, that's that's a real hero. Um, you know, I, I just I wonder how many how many fewer of these shootings we would have if we were still serious about treating the mentally ill, the obviously dangerously mentally ill. Now, I'm not talking about one flew over the cuckoo's nest and giving electric shock treatment to, to malcontents. Um, but I am talking about real psychiatric care, forced psychiatric care for those who are clearly dangerous. Uh, one after another, these these killers turn out to be known wolves, as, as they say. Um, that said, uh, the focus on this story is on the hero. And I want to mention, I almost did this story for uh, for my segment. One of my segments this week uh, is not just the, the, the only big hero. Um, I was just going to read you the stuff that I, I caught on the news this morning. Uh, an Indiana man rescued four children and their 18-year-old sister from a house fire. He was driving past, noticed their porch was covered in flames. By the time he was through, the whole house was engulfed. His name was uh, Nick Bostic. He's 25 of Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, he's driving to a gas station 1230 at night uh, on Monday when he noticed his house uh, was on fire and he stopped. He said uh, he, he told authorities that uh, the fire was about the size of a campfire when he arrived. So, you know, pretty small. Uh, by the time the police got there, the, the whole house is going up. He ran inside the home, uh, seeing the flames, uh, started screaming, waking people up. You'd, otherwise, these people might have died of smoke inhalation um, and 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 getting people out of the house. He ranged in age from one to 18. When he asked if there was anyone left, uh, the kids told him there was one more kid left in the house. So he goes back into this house as the flames are growing higher. And uh, uh, 
is running around this burning house looking for this last kid, uh, goes upstairs and uh, body cam footage from uh, I don't know if it was from the police, the firefighters shows the moment he thrusted a six year old child into an officer's arms after <laughs> this was after he jumped out of a second story window with the six year old in his arms because there was no getting back downstairs because because the house was was burning so badly. Um, he airlifted to a hospital, put on a, a ventilator for for smoke in, inhalation. Uh, he had injuries, I'm assuming burns to uh, to his arms, legs, his right hand. Uh, <laughs> he's been released and he's going to be honored by the police, the fire department and the mayor. And whether it's a burning house or a mass shooter being put down like the madman he is, uh, we need to honor these heroes. We don't just, you know, we should we should pass the hat around for these guys. Uh, they deserve it. We need more like it. We need to encourage men to be men. Bill Whittle, the local police chief, uh, does, says it this way about Elisha Dickin, the, the man who stopped the mass shooting. Um, his actions were nothing short of heroic. He engaged the gunman from quite a distance with a handgun and was very proficient in that, very tactically sound. And as he moved to close in on the suspect, he was also motioning for people to exit behind him. Uh, the story reports a somewhat surprised that investigators have no indication that Dickon, the guy who stopped the mass shooting, has any military or law enforcement background. Uh, Bill, I think what was intriguing about this story, among many things to me, is the idea of what you get into when you decide to pull out your weapon in defense of others. Because it's not just the physical danger that you face as you approach the, the assailant. Uh, there are all kinds of other issues flying around, like the risk to bystanders that you may pose, like the fact that when police come to the scene, you look like a shooter, like the fact that after it's all over, even if everything goes well and you're able to take down that shooter and stop his killings, then you face a long road of legal uh, trauma. Uh, Bill, where do we find young men of such courage these days? In the United States of America. And I'm not aware that that happens anywhere else. Uh, this, is the, this is the side of individual gun ownership that makes people who own guns want to own guns. This is the side of the story that's never told. This is the entire reason that there's a difference between a subject and a citizen. This is this is everything. And when I say in the United States of America, when I hear a story like this, I'm reminded of that situation on the train in, in France where uh, a guy was about to shoot the train up and everybody's calling their wives to say goodbye. Three guys rush uh, the guy with the rifle and bring him down. And the three guys were the only three Americans on the train. This is this is the this is what cowboy culture does to people. It saves lives. Regarding your specific points, if if this guy is is shooting people and he's got a hundred rounds of ammunition, I don't think the guy in question is going to spend a whole lot of time thinking about what's going to happen to him uh, and and even what's behind him. If he doesn't act, he's going to be probably one of the hundred people who are are going to be killed by this lunatic. But I think the point is that he did, I don't think he had to think about this at all. I think he thought about this in advance when he got his concealed carry permit. I think he's been practicing for this day in his head for a while. Not like he's looking forward to it, but 
But look, if you get a concealed carry permit, that's why you get a concealed carry permit, because you understand that bad things can happen. And uh, and that when seconds count, the police are only minutes away. Uh, the police uh, chief uh, in our backstage show, he said he, he moved uh, tactically and uh, and apparently was was a pretty good shot. That's the sign of somebody also who takes this particular um, right that we have in this country seriously. I have no doubt this guy spent a fair amount of time on the range, and I think he spent a fair amount of time on the range in case there was a mass shooter in a mall. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I fully suspect that's what he was thinking. I may be somewhere with my girlfriend and either a mass shooter or a rapist or a guy with 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 a knife or some homeless person with who, who thinks I'm the devil or whatever the case may be, may decide to take some action and I am responsible for her life and my life. And, and I see so much eroding in this country. And then I hear stories like this and I realize I'm just so proud to live in the same country as a guy like this. So proud that we, we that we share this, the same citizenship and the same culture, and the same values. And, and I, I think he's very lucky that he lives in a, in a, uh, a district where the police chief gets it. Uh, I don't think he's going to face problems from the authority if the police chief came out and, 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 read, and read a message by that. And I might add parenthetically that I saw not too long ago a list of what must have been no less than 40 cases where individuals with, with guns stopped mass shootings, no less than 40 or 50 within the last couple of years. And this is the other thing that people simply don't get. They don't understand that the, that the, the main the main value of individual gun ownership is the fact that most citizens don't have to use guns. The reason that, that, that safe neighborhoods are safe is because it's pretty clear that everybody in that neighborhood is, is armed to the teeth. I talked about this in number one with the bullet, the, the safest uh, Plano, Texas has a murder rate that's lower than Switzerland, lower than Belgium. It's, it's got the practically the lowest murder rate on the planet in Plano, Texas. The arena in Plano, Texas, because everybody's armed to the teeth. And the people who would go in there trying to murder and kill people are fully aware of this. So these, so gun ownership provides a, a, a invisible deterrent bubble, and. And when your entire political position is to remove that protection from people, then you get more and more shootings. That's what we've seen. There is an inverse relationship between familiarity with guns over the last 10 or 15, sorry, the last 50 years, 100 years, and the number of people who are killed in mass murders. When everybody played with toy guns, when every school had a shooting team, when 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 a, a BB gun was what you got for your 10th birthday, your eighth or whatever, there were no mass shootings. And this idea that, well, we can't talk about guns or have toy guns or anything else, because if we do, people are going to become murderers is provably wrong by any possible measure. You should be able to walk into a drugstore, get as many guns as you wanted, as much ammunition as you wanted. No background check, nothing. Put the gash down and go. There were no mass shootings. then. that's data. That's evidence. You you can quarrel about what the what the cause is, but you can't argue with the with the facts. And I think it's because people back then were aware of the fact that if they did something stupid like this, they were going to pay. That you couldn't just do this to citizens and have the and have the law blame the hero. And that's just the last thing I'll close with. There are two words in society that are so grossly overused that they become meaningless. One of them is genius, and the other is hero. Mm -hmm. 
And, and this is a guy who is an actual honest God hero. He's not the kind of hero that stays up late and, and does, you know, extracurricular work with kids in trouble and that kind of thing. That's a noble and admirable thing to do. But, but this guy is an honest God hero in the actual meaning of the word. And, and he should be celebrated. I suspect he's going to end up getting a lot of grief from, from people who have got a mortal aversion to the idea of you being responsible for defending yourself. But coupled with what we saw in Uvalde, I, I think the situation gets clearer by the day. I did this episode simply because I think more of these gutless ninnies who plan these mass shootings need to know that more and more of us out there are ready. And that you think you're walking through a, a flock of sheep but some of those sheep are ready to take you down if you step out and try to do something to hurt the others. So I, and more than anything, I want more people who are plotting and thinking of evil things like this to understand the risk they face. And frankly, this is why you see so many of these mass shooters going to places where they know people will be utterly defenseless. They go to academia, they go to elementary schools, they go to high schools, they go to places where essentially people have been stripped of their right to protect themselves, the adults anyway, and to protect the children. And so, um, so this is good for us to see from time to time that there are men like Elisha Dickin and that they don't have to be old geezers like me who sit around reading World War II novels and, you know, fantasizing about being some sort of hero that defends everyone. That's not the case. And Bill's right. In order to perform the way Mr. Dickin did in that situation, you have to rehearse. You have to practice, not just on the range, but in your mind. You have to have a sense of situational awareness at all times because that handgun on your hip bears with it a responsibility to be used well and accurately and safely in the sense that no one gets harmed except the intended uh, recipient of that harm. And he illustrated all of that beautifully. Now, I'm sure that the media is going to go bananas because they can't stand the idea that some individual, first of all, uh, armed, secondly, legally, thirdly, is actually standing up and being able to defend, who knows, dozens of other people who may have lost their lives that day, even if it were a few, it would be too many. And so it's good to see two things. Number one, the police chief standing up and saying, this guy performed beautifully in a very difficult situation on the spur of the moment. You don't get a heads up about these things. You know, you don't get a text message that says, hey, come out to the mall. There's likely to be a shooting, so you'll be all ready for it. You're out having a nice afternoon with your girlfriend and bam. And then you have to act. And so I'm glad the police chief talked about it the way he did. I'm also, frankly, glad that NBC News, where I read the story, published it. Uh, now, you might argue, as Bill did in our backstage show, that why should we give the news media credit for doing something that they should do anyway, just telling the truth about things. But I like the fact that they had to spend several paragraphs describing this, voluntarily or not, I don't care, but they did have to published that and the police chief's remarks. So I read this in the mainstream media. And it strikes me that when our values get lived out, it, it becomes undeniable 
the good that they can do. It's not just jabber. It's not just talk. It's action. And I don't just mean in the realm of self-defense or defending others with, uh, with weapons, but just the whole idea of our conservative values when we live them out with honor and with dignity and we conduct ourselves in a credible way in public, taking tangible action on behalf of other people even the people who would argue against us, oppose us, and ridicule us find that they have to tip their hats and acknowledge us. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible. 